Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. As always, we ask you to, if you like the station and our content, download the app, Veritas Catholic Radio Network mobile app, so that you can listen to our shows anywhere you are, not just in the New York City metropolitan area. And please share the uh, share it with your friends. If you like what Joe and I do, we also have our social media show alongside of our show on Veritas Catholic Radio Network, which you could find at the Frontline TV or the Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. We would ask you to like, subscribe, share, and do all that fun stuff. And today, we are very pleased and honored to be joined by Michael Lichens. And we are going to be talking about Dies Irae, the sequence of the mass for the dead. And this is a reprint of a classic by the author, Monsignor Nicholas Gear, published by Sophia Press. Now that seems like a, that's a, that's Joe Rosanello. That's a, that's some topic there, brother. Oh my Lord. <laughs> All right. Exactly. Exactly. So we're going to get into it with Michael. And, but before we get started, a brief introduction, Michael Lichens is the editor of Catholic Exchange. When he's not revising and editing, he is often found studying and writing about G.K. Chesterton, religion and literature, or random points of local history. He holds an AM from the University of Chicago Divinity School and a BA from the Thomas More College of Liberal Arts. Michael Lichens, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe and Joe, it's great to join you guys. I'm glad to dive into the breach with you today. All Love right, it. thank you, brother. And with that, I'm gonna hand it over to Joe Resinello. We always start with the prayer, Michael, because God oh, knows wonderful. I need prayers. In, in the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Remember, O most gracious Virgin Mary, never was it known that anyone who sought your help or sought your intercession was left unaided. Inspired by this confidence, we find to you a virgin of virgins, our mother. To you we come, for you we stand, sinful and sorrowful. A mother of the word incarnate, despise not our petitions, but in your clemency hear and answer us, amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. amen. So, so Michael, let's let's uh, define our terms. Sure. Uh, Dies irae. It's translated the day of wrath. Christopher mm -hmm. Columbus. That's heavy stuff. The day of <laughs> wrath. I mean, I know what I think of. I think of the Sistine Chapel. Like when, yes. like when you go in there and you see, like it's it's basically like the day of judgment, and Christ is like. Lou Ferrigno, basically, he's got like a baby face. He's Lou Ferrigno, and he's like shaking off the Blessed Mother, basically like I've had enough, and like all hell is breaking loose. I mm -hmm. mean, um, how obviously this this book is, uh, you know, it it it's it was written many years ago. How is it basically applicable today? Uh, I would say that Diasire is one of those hymns that's applicable any time because. 
it's not a popular sentiment. It's not one that's going to get you invited to conferences, but it's a universal truth that death is probably the common experience that each and every person will have. We all have to experience it in our own lives when those close to us die. And we'll have to experience it personally at the end, hopefully not for many, many more years for the three of us talking right now, but come at any time. So it's always applicable to think about that. We also acknowledge that once we die, at some point, we will face the judgment seat of Christ. And when you think about that, and you think about, well, what does that look like? And the poem illustrates it so beautiful with such rich It's terrifying, but awful. And for what it should do for many of us is that make us ask that uncomfortable question. If Jesus was to judge me right now, right in this very moment, not oh, when I hope we will get to confession, you know, next week when I'm going to get this christian thing done right what's he going to say right now it's an uncomfortable question because i don't know about the two of you but i know there's a few points in my past i'm not proud of and that i don't want to buy but we will but there's also that hope because well god christ is our judge he's a merciful judge and that mercy is really how the poem ends and fills us with that hope that while we are going to be judged and we should have a reverential fear we also can hope in god's mercy Sure, absolutely. Michael Litchens joining us here at the front line with Joe, uh, with Joe and Joe. Excuse me. Um, uh, you know, it, 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 we all are on our journeys, Michael. You oh, know, yeah. and uh, one of the things I remember, like you know, when you read scripture, that's why it's so important to read scripture. I don't know how mm -hmm. Protestants ever, ever like, kind of made it seem like we don't read scripture, mainly because <laughs> I think we don't. Okay, yeah. um, and we and we need to. Fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. You know, that's a that's a line I think we should let yes. sink in. Yes, yes, I would tell the atheist, yes, I fear God. I do, mm -hmm. because I fear the loss of God. Because I, I I know what I know that the only good thing in my, in the oh, the only good things in the world come from God. So yes, I fear the loss of God. That's what I fear. And yes, I fear God could send me to hell. And that is the beginning of wisdom. I think we need a good healthy dose of that in our modern culture. We don't seem to fear anything, let alone death, no. judgment, heaven, heaven and hell. Okay. Uh, but then, like you said, we do have this, obviously, this this supernatural virtue of hope, okay, mm -hmm. that, that yes, Christ is the redeemer. It's funny you're saying this, because very recently, that like, has been weighing on my mind. Christ is the redeemer. Don't, I, I try not to beat myself up over sin. I get to confession, of course, and I am sorry for my sins, but I try not to beat myself up over sins. Yes. I just need to do a whole lot better. What are your comments on that, Michael? <laughs> no, like you said, that is the one of the my favorite things about being a Catholic. I converted in, in adulthood, but I love the sacrament of confession. I love everything about it. I love having to take an accounting of my life, having to really examine why I did what I did. Uh, sometimes being humbled by that and going, well, I don't know why I was unkind or why I was uncharitable or why I use people and that's how I be but the end of it is that promise that through the cross Christ has purchased for us the salvation and eternal life with him whenever we do those stations we're called to reflect and remember because this paid a very high price for the evil that we've done and that should give us a lot of joy and for me excitement that it even though I know what I've done, Jesus knows what I've done. He also knows why I need his mercy so badly. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Michael Lichens joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. And later in the conversation, Michael, we'll get we'll get into a little bit more. Sure. About, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the, 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 the four final things with that. We want to talk a little bit more about Dias Irae. Um, <laughs> and that is the book by Monsignor Nicholas Gear that has been republished, uh, reprinted and published by Sophia Press. Dias Irae, the sequence of the mass for the dead. Joe Resinello. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Monsignor Nicholas uh, basically dealt with this particular text uh and it's it's a devotional reading and made for meditation could you kind of like mm -hmm. you know uh expand on that and explain it to our listeners why they should purchase it and use Absolutely. it yeah so this actually comes into one of my favorite research subjects i love to study and practice the old forgotten practice of memento mori which is directly translated latin remember death uh, keep death in mind. And this is also a very Franciscan, as you mentioned, Thomas of Solano wrote this poem. He was a Franciscan who was also a companion of St. Francis. Francis even would call death sister death to remind people that she's a common sister to all of us. We all share this sibling. And I think what it does in all the practice of Memento Mori, but especially when we come here to the Dies Irae, which richly illustrates those final days, is it gives you, of course, I mentioned the sense of hope, but it also calls to mind that final moment. And well, what do I want my death to look like? To have a beautiful death, as Anthony the Abbot tells us, we have to have a beautiful life. And that means we have to live faithfully. We have to treat our neighbors kindly and give to them as if they were Christ coming to us himself, asking for food or clothing or what have you. And it means sometimes doing the hard work and loving the unlovable, just as Christ loves the unlovable. And if we can do those things, if we can follow Christ's really hard teachings, the ending of the poem is exactly what we can experience of Christ's mercy rushing in, the calling to us to come into his throne and to be with him for all eternity versus the terrible burning fire that awaits those of us who couldn't follow Christ's teachings, and especially the very simple one to call upon him and to call to him to teach us how to be like him. And yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I think about that a lot. Michael Lichens joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Um, one of the things you know, you have Christ's teachings, and then you have His actions, mm -hmm. which are also teachings. Yes, and and and, and especially in, given recent developments and in the insanity going on out there, and 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 all that, I, one of the ones I find th probably the hardest is with, to say, "Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do." And I don't do say that in a judgmental way, but when people act insane, like nailing God to a cross, okay? Mm -hmm. um, and then Christ has the, has the capacity to, to, to pray to the Father from the cross as he's hanging there, forgive them, they know not what they do. Talk about a lesson that we could all, we could all benefit from. Just, as, yeah. just as one, one example of what you're talking about. And especially like just that moment between the two thieves, like you see a lesson in each thief. You know, uh, there's a saying attributed to Augustine that we can't spare because one of the thieves was saved but we shouldn't presume because one of the thieves was damned and we see their reaction because they both did evil but only one of them has the courage to say i'm not worthy but will you have me and christ answers him right then and there yes i will yeah 
That, I mean, I had a confessor one time tell me, isn't that the great thing about being Catholic? Yes. <laughs> you know? And that, again, it's so misinterpreted by a lot of people like the sacrament mm-hmm. of confession mm-hmm. that you mentioned. It's like, no, 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 no. We, we, you know, we, 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 church has a very clear teaching on, on presumption, all right? We don't presume on Christ's mercy, but we don't despair of it either. You know, exactly. you know I, I wish I'd like to tell people things uh, in her wisdom. Joe Racinello, where are we headed? Well, in, uh, in Monsignor uh, Nicholas's uh, rendition of this particular text, he says some things that made me think, and I just want to throw them at you uh, because I don't think a lot of Catholics think of them. I sure as heck don't. Um, fulfill even the smallest duties with intentionality. I mean, I don't think about that. Like small things. It reminds me of the little flower, you know, like doing things like in your house, like, like, you know, we all interact with people. We have our families, our friends, um, guard against idle conversation and indifference. I have seen this in convents that like the sisters, they don't talk Mm -hmm. too much to each other. They pray Mm -hmm. like when they're washing the dishes, they pray. There's no, like, like, I don't think like that. You know what I'm saying? As as a lay person. And remember that all our thoughts, actions, and inactions will be revealed. Now, that is a daunting idea. I mean, like, even the best of us, you know, Christ knows everything and all things will be brought to the light. Speak about that, because I don't think people are God. I'm not. I'm just going to use that. I'm not. So, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm willing to bet most people aren't either. It's a tough it's a really tough calling, especially because so much of our culture now is based off noise. Cardinal Sarah talks about that in his last book, that we live in this culture of overwhelming noise and distraction where everything is vying for our attention. I was reading the other day that there's some untold analyzing the app data from Millions of dollars that's being spent to figure that out. It's hard for things like good spiritual reading or quiet times of prayer or remembering the times we can add more prayer to our life forefront in our minds, unless you've undertaken a religious pilgrimage or your thing to master. But gives us a in particular by presenting the poem to us. But then having us break down each stanza and go through it little by little, uh, what I find in reading, doing readings like this is it teaches you in a strange way how to do the old Benedictine practice of Lectio Divina, where each word of God spends time in your head and you go over meditating each word, each phrase, and see how it applies to you. And that practice often can get carried over into our other habits. I'm, I'm not an expert at this. I've read so many spiritual books and I still what do I do with most of my time when I could be spent praying even passively I'm listening to podcasts or I'm thinking about a sci-fi show I watched 30 years ago or something like that but it's yeah no I'm with you it's a challenge but you know what it is too I think you can get overwhelmed yes like 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 and that's I think an important point um like obviously we have to you know mind our our habits and our behavior Mm -hmm. um but ultimately, no one is getting into heaven on our merits. 
There'd be two people in heaven, Jesus and Mary. That's it. No <laughs> It'd be one. a small club, yeah. Would, really. So ultimately, we have to throw ourselves on God's mercy. With that said, and this is not something I always do, so let me first preface that, we therefore have to be merciful. I think that's a key. I mean, mm. Jesus teaches that. Now, we can go through all, like... Like, obviously, there's there's dogmas, there's teachings, there's yes. behaviors, and that cannot be understated. That's very important. But there's also mercy and the proper understanding of it, but also it's the application of it. Always remembering mercy is never deserved, Amen. ever. And that is something to think, because we don't operate under that premise. Humans, you deserved what you got. I've heard Joe, that. Correct, oh, Joe, correct me if I'm wrong. Didn't St. Francis of Assisi, even, even up to a short time before he died, he, he believed he was going to hell. Yes, like, most you, a lot of saints about, are like that. Am I, am, I, am I right? Was it St. Francis of Assisi? Uh, St. Francis was always worried, and which is a bizarre for me. You see that also in St. Therese, like, you know, a worry that am I still worthy of God's love? And that's bizarre because both times when both saints wondered about that, they were already communing with God in a way that most of us in our lifetime never will. Uh, they, you know, in St. Francis's case, he actually saw Christ in the physical form. Again, something most of us won't have the joy of experiencing and it, that they even question should be a message to any of us who are going, I'm good. God, God and I are good. We're fine. I don't need to worry. If I ever say that, I, sw I, I swear I should, I should just hang it up. Like, I hope I, I swear, I hope and pray. I never say I'm good. I'm good. I'll be honest with you. Okay. Um, I've noticed this. All right. Um, that when, when I am, you talk about doing things with, you know, intentionality. Okay. When yeah. I, you know, there are times that we're more diligent than others. Let's face it. There's times that we're spiritually lazy. Here's my hand up for anybody listening to us <laughs> at the front line with Joe and Joe. I'm spiritually lazy. I know my guard is down. No worries. Like, but I know this when I'm praying, intentionally like make it sure i pray the rosary every day and, and all that i i swear michael in, in a very positive way i don't think of hell now that doesn't right. mean i presume heaven okay but sure. i really don't have i don't have this overwhelming fear of hell when i'm prayerful now i want to segue into a question you talk Please. about fulfill the smallest duties with intentionality guard against idle conversation talk about the necessity of making sure that we're we, you talk about lectio divina yeah. reading scripture okay um but talk about the necessity if you want to avoid these things okay you need the grace to do it talk about the necessity of prayer every day Prayer, not just in our Father either, but spending some time in conversation with the Lord. Talk about the necessity of that, Michael Lichens. It's absolutely, there's nothing to build on if there isn't prayer as your foundation. Uh, it would be like saying, I have, you know, I have this man in my life, you know, my buddy Joe, we'll take another Joe out there, but he's my closest friend. I adore him. And then somebody asks, okay, when was the last time you called him? Oh, I, don't think I've talked to him on the phone in six years. Well, did you write to him? Oh, probably at my friend's wedding. I think I wrote him a letter. And But after a while, people would wonder, how are you close friends if you never talk to each other? You need at least that foundation for a relationship. And prayer is entering into that communion with God, to not only speak to him, to let him know your intentions, but also to listen for him, to, to ask him for the guidance in your life. And that's the beginning of everything every saint will tell you 
you have to pray at and if you can to follow St. Paul's teachings to pray without ceasing, which this isn't something you're going to do tomorrow unless you're really filled with grace and I should be taking advice from you, but it's going to take some time at the but it will be easier for you as you do it. And what's more impressive, that experience of not seeing fearing hell, suddenly God's grace is more accessible to you because you have that one-on-one -on -one relationship each and every day. Absolutely. Michael Lichens joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe Diaz. ERA, the sequence of the Mass for the Dead, which is a reprint of a classic by the author Monsignor Nicholas Gear, published by Sophia Press. That's what we are discussing here today at the front line with Joe and Joe and a whole bunch of other things. Joe Restinello. <laughs> well, let's talk a little bit about death, judgment, heaven, and hell. I mean, mm. this is something I think that is not really focused upon, sadly, today. Um, people don't talk about that. A lot of people don't even believe in hell. And let's also uh, break down judgments. There's going to be two types of judgments. Educate our mm -hmm. listeners, Michael, on these things. Absolutely. So, like I said at the beginning, talking about death alone is not going to win you popularity contest. People don't want to be reminded. We don't even like, uh, this is something very unique to our generation. We have the majority of our funerals be closed casket and a lot of people report that open casket funerals make them uncomfortable there's a lot of discomfort that previous generations never even thought of but we have to face it it is a reality that none of us will escape no matter what elon musk invents or sends finds on Mars, we're going to die at some point again hopefully this but could easily the end of the world happens this week or I get hit by a bus this week. Things happen and we need to realize that because in order to prepare for an event, we have to acknowledge the event is likely and eventual. And that's exactly what death happens. And so what happens after we die, we face the judgment seat, uh, the awesome judgment seat of Christ as we, I keep calling it. And that focus forces a lot more questions from us what is the judgment where will christ be sending us and then this brings up hell like you said a lot of us don't even want to think about hell we don't even want to believe it's real you know how could we hear that question a lot how could a loving god send us to hell and uh the quickest explanation i can think of to describe hell is actually from Teresa of Avila, the other Teresa, pardon me uh but Teresa of Avila described that God's love as a burning fire and to all those of us that God calls his friends that love is warm it's comforting but to those who reject God's love who turn away God's love that very flame of love now turns into the fires of hell they who reject it still fire of God's burning love in that sense you see that it's uh, hell is that place where all who reject God, all who knowingly turn from him and who reject his love, his grace, are going, we do know what will happen, and that is hell. I can't presume who will go to hell. I'm not here to do that, but we do know that many of us will go there, and it's an uncomfortable, like even how I'm talking about it, get a little wind sometimes just thinking about like these truths we're talking about. But I think... <laughs> It's kind of like you probably are were a lot happier with your high school or college graduation if you roughly knew what you were doing afterwards. It's a lot easier to face death if you know what you're doing after that. 
Right, no. Uh, I, I, one of the things, Michael Lichens joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. You ever, you ever like, watch the old movies? Joe Rossino, remember, like, the old movies? The, the, at the end, the, the hero's pointing the gun at somebody and says, oh, yeah. <laughs> We must, must have heard that a million times. And when you think about what you were just talking about, Michael, <laughs> no, dude. No, that's the wrong answer. Mm-hmm. If you like, I would tell anybody who's like very brazen, who's willing to take Pascal's wager, let's say, all right, when it comes to heaven and hell, way do you? Well, I'll know when I get there. No, no, no. What you you get there is the central pain of hell, which is the in a nanosecond, which is the regret of the loss of God. Mm-hmm. You could have been brazen like Clint Eastwood, all you want, like in the movies, you know, like his characters are, you know, <laughs> see you in hell. No. Dude, because in a nanosecond, that's there. the time just but you know what I mean. All right, sure. very quick. The, the the central pain of hell will fall upon you, which is you will regret the loss of God. You will regret everything you did to reject God's love. Okay. And you gotta look at that for eternity. You know, talk about that, Michael. I I I really wish because a lot of people focus on the fires of hell. No, no, no. The central pain of hell is the, is the regret of loss. Exactly. It's the regret of the loss of God. It is the pain knowing that you have rejected the very source of life, that your life was effectively a gift that you you have wanted nothing to do that. And that, I think, is the greatest pain of all, because like we say, God is the source of not just our life, but the source of all things. Everything exists because of God. And it's or impossible for us to live without him but there are those of us who will want to live without him he gave us the gift of free will and that free will we, we don't talk about this in america too often but freedom always includes responsibility the more freedoms you're given the more responsibility that is laid on your shoulders and the freedom of free will comes with that very heavy price that we can use our free will to reject the very giver of our free will and that pain of rejecting God, I'm trying to remember an exact phrase from Ignatius of Loyola, and I, it's just not coming to mind, but it's a pain beyond all physical ailments. It's a pain that is getting down to your very source and summit as a person. Yeah, I, I'm glad I'm glad you mentioned that, Michael Lichens, joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe, because I think that's so important that because mm-hmm. hell is caricatured in our culture, okay? Yeah. Um, you know, it's like... And I want to emphasize, Joe Rosanello, I think you agree with me on this. I want to emphasize because a lot of people are, 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 you know, they have this, this Hollywood vision of, or, or Dante's vision, all right? Mm-hmm. Not that Dante was doing a bad thing when he wrote sure. The Inferno. Obviously, he was not. But people need to understand because you mentioned Michael Lichens' free will. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, and according to your free will, what's going to make you suffer more is that by the a consequence of your free will, you rejected God. Therefore, God said, I'll give you what you want. <laughs> and and throw in a kicker to that, okay? And you got the devil reminding you for all eternity that you had <laughs> opportunity and you blew it. How about a quick comment on, on that, Michael, before we go? We got about a minute and a half before the break. Absolutely. I I love that imagery of like the devil is almost a constant reminder, but that's all of hell is that constant reminder that your very will made this decision. This wasn't pushed on you. You weren't tricked into hell. I. Uh, Satan is not a trickster God, but you have made this choice, and now you have to live with the choices. To paraphrase C.S. Lewis, we pray to God, thy will be done, but it's terrifying when God repeats back to us, thy will be done, saying, all right, have at it. Right. 
Right. I mean, you, you know, that's the modern culture to say, you know, I, we, you know, we'll be gods. You know, like, like yes. it's, it's the whole Nietzschean worldview. We have a little bit of time. Joe Racinello, where do you, where do you, let's at least start a question, Joe, and then we'll carry it over after the break. Well, I, I've heard it said that the road to heaven is heaven. And, mm-hmm. and, and what I want to explore on the other side is this. I think a lot of people experience not like literal hell, but hell on earth, because they tune God out now. And there's a darkness to a person. Let's be honest. We've met people like this. I have. Uh, you see it in their eyes. You hear it in their their voice. You see it in the way they react and live. They're living almost a hell on earth now. I want to explore those two roads, because I think um, the way to show someone the right road is to basically uh, basically witness love to them because many Joe, people have never felt it or Joe, or- let's pick that up after the break but in the remaining time before the segment's over michael where can people find more about your uh they purchase is uh ds array the sequence of the mass for the dead which is a reprint of a classic by author monsignor nicholas gear and that's published by sophia press so give our audience uh some info michael absolutely you can pick up the book at sophiainstitute.com that's sophia institute press's main website uh you can also find it at barnes and noble amazon and all the big ones if you also prefer that way available as paperback or ebook whichever is better for you uh over at Catholic Exchange, we have a couple of excerpts in talking about this book. So go to CatholicExchange.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and all the major social media channels. Awesome. Thank you for that, Michael. So everybody stick around. We're coming back with Michael Lichens, and we're going to keep the conversation going at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Don't go anywhere. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas, tell your friends to tune in, and let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, we are way in the breach with Michael Lichens from Catholic Exchange. We are discussing Dies Array, the sequence of the Mass for the Dead. Now, this is a reprint of a classic by author Monsignor Nicholas Gear that's published by Sophia Press. We always emphasize audience, don't big box support our authors for our public question before the end of the break just briefly our audience uh you were michael and then we'll into well basically like i was saying i mean like the road to heaven is heaven i mean when you're living like a good life you feel it i i mean i i could just not that i'm far from perfect but i go to confession i i i I live a sacramental life i pray i feel good like in my heart I have peace, and that's the road to heaven. I'm far from perfect, but I'm still striving. Then there's the opposite end, people who don't, and it shows. You see it in their eyes. You like. I think the way, how could you reject something? This is the question, I guess. How could you reject something that you've never experienced? So many people have had horrible lives, miserable, miserable experiences. They've never known love. They've never felt someone loving them, caring for them. Mm -hmm. I think 
like how like how do you reach a person like that like like you know what i'm saying and and here's the thing i think before you can reject god you have to see him you know what i'm saying like like and and that's our job mike you know what i'm saying as catholics mm-hmm. i sometimes think and, and and maybe god might say joe it's your fault that people in your family aren't going to heaven because I showed you something and they never saw it. Think about that for a second and think about how do you reach a person like that? How does a person reject something they've never experienced? Yeah. Are we like the foolish virgins who are hiding our light away and pretend, you know, living Catholic lives on Sunday, but not even bringing it up in the least bit with our coworkers and our family it's a tough question and it's especially rough when you go into Ephesians and St. Paul tells us that we have to be ambassadors of Christ. Uh, And that's for many people, you might be the only bit of Christ they ever encounter. Like you said, life can be really rough on this earth. It can be really long and arduous for a lot of people, especially right now. And so your presence might be the only time people have any encounter with the love of God. And that is when we were talking about, you know, the fear of hell. For me, the times I fear hell the most is when I am uncharitable towards people because I know so many people just need a little bit of kindness and I can't even give that to them. And I think about what God must say to examining those moments like these people needed you. They needed you like you need me, and you couldn't deliver for them. Why? And it a few times because you might want a spiritual exam, or maybe you're way, again a way better Catholic than I am. But it's a hard one, and you're onto something that we give people the love of Christ and hope that they will accept it, but also knowing that. Some they reject it and that's their will it doesn't reflect on us but we still need to put ourselves out there to give them the love of god i want to just expand on that because a priest yeah. a very holy priest the franciscan priest actually said to me in confession nice. once he said joe your life will be the only gospel that some people mm. ever read ever and that's something to keep in mind because again, I could think of people I grew up with. Some of them had very hard lives, mm-hmm. very hard lives. And obviously your environment shapes who you are. Now that doesn't excuse bad behavior. Of course. But at the same time, that there is a responsibility on us. Those have been given much, much is expected. And, and I really think, and that's where I think sometimes we have to stay focused on that. Um, and, and frankly, to be truthful with you, that's what it means to be Catholic. I think, mm-hmm. really, to be out Michael, there. You're, I'm sorry, Joe. Michael, your comments on that. Oh, I agree. Uh, um, there's a line from our, from Cardinal Chaput that I always, sometimes think I need to get tattooed right on my arm, which uh, is – we don't do all that we can for the poor. We will go to hell, literally. And he makes sure to add that last line, literally, to point it out that you know, Christ commands us, we have to give and we have to love e- each other. Uh, there's a great phrase, I think, from, I can't remember who, it was a wise priest who shared it to the quote, but it was, we have to love people until it hurts because Christ loved us until it hurts literally in the crucifix until it hurts. And we have to, we 
we're not going to be crucified. I don't think anyone's crucifying us yet. Yet. But, uh, yet. <laughs> uh, but so we're unlikely, at least I'm unlikely in the next few weeks to be crucified, but our love should still be that kind of giving that we're willing to give, even when it hurts us a little bit to keep giving that love because we're given what exactly what Christ had given to us in a much bigger deal. I want to expand on that because I agree yeah. with you. Love has to hurt to be real. You see that mm-hmm. in a family structure. That's something society completely misses. misses oh, yeah. Oh, completely. yeah. <laughs> um, but you also mentioned the poor. Uh, mm-hmm. Matt, and I want to expand on Matthew 25. And I'll tell you two things in my own life that have affected me deeply. Um, one was I was in Haiti. And in Haiti, children, because people don't have food, mothers will take a little bit of uh, like oil and mix it mm-hmm. with mud and feed children to fill their bellies, literally eating mud pies. And I, after I was in Haiti, I was in Miami and I was on Lincoln like Boulevard. It's fancy. I was at some fancy restaurant from work. I think like this was like 20 years ago. A soda cost like 10 bucks. And I think to myself, 500 miles, like maybe a thousand miles from here, people are eating dirt, literally. And what's my responsibility in this. That's Mm -hmm. number one. Number two, I was in Vietnam and my father was a barber. And in, in Asia, people cut hair on the street, on a box, literally. And I saw this guy, he was a barber. He looked like a pauper and he was a pauper. And I said, what if he has a son? I was educated. I lived in a house. I was born in America. We both our fathers did the same thing, but I've been given something. What are you going to do about it? Mm-hmm. And like, and this is where I think we lose focus. Now, many people haven't had those experiences that I sure. have had, and, and I, I'm not putting that on them. But what I am saying is this, we are so rich. <laughs> like, and that's all I'm going to say is what I'm trying to illustrate. And I think God, it is such a scandal that poverty exists on this earth. Michael, it is such a scandal. And we do have a responsibility to that. And Christ, you said it. Like, you just said it. Like, how do you communicate that to people? Because I think it's completely lost on the on the American, like, like idea of life. Mike, I want... I, I, I want to hear what you have to say, but then I, 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 keep in mind, I have a follow-up question to that, but go right ahead. Michael Litchens joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. This is a great conversation. And, and, yeah, and so, no, and I it's told, a- Mike, I told you, I told you, you might get in trouble being at the front line with Joe and Joe. You know, uh, we started out talking about DS array and we're still on that, you know, we're oh, yeah. about, obviously, uh, but go ahead. Uh, I think that's a fantastic question, Joe. Oh, it's great, Joe. And I can emphasize with some of your experiences, because I've seen that like even poverty like you know going to eastern oregon i remember was a weird experience because i met hundreds of people who didn't have indoor plumbing in the united states in the 21st century and they were too poor that they had food scarcities and things like that again and this is just in our own backyard then when you go to places like haiti where that is turned up to a hundred and you're seeing people who haven't had a house in two three generations it's hard to take in. And uh, there's, of course, two kinds of responsibility. There's the systemic, which many of us, we can we can do great things. We're showing that the Catholic Church can do great things on a systemic political level, but it takes time. It takes a lot of work. It can take lifetimes of work. 
but we do have a personal responsibility and the Bible tells us it's to our neighbor, particularly. Uh, I like this line from Dorothy Day that we, our love can only be as big as the person we love the least. And in her work, she worked with a lot of destitute homeless people, people who were suffering mental illness and had nowhere else to go, but the workout houses that she was providing. And we, these can be people, having worked in a couple homeless ministries, these can be people that are really difficult to love. But Christ tells us, forget that. You are blessed. You are given a great gift. You have to share that no matter how difficult it can be. And I think that's where our personal responsibility comes into. And the Bible is so good about that. Like, we don't have to fix the world's problems. Is your neighbor hungry? We'll take your neighbor some food. Is he lonely? We'll go give him some conversation. Is your brother lonely? Well, call him up. If, give him some money if he needs it. And if we can start there, if all of us could just focus on the three or four people we live next to, the world would be a way, way better place. What's funny about what you said, what came to mind is like the person who thinks in their mind, but this person is, this person is, you know, really unlovable. And the question that came to mind, yeah. who told you you were lovable? <laughs> When you think about it, Joe makes clear. Religion's joining us mm -hmm. on the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. All right. So we, we're giving we're giving mercy. Do we really, as a human? I mean, when people doubt the, the man, they say, "Well, that's a fairy tale." No, it's. Why don't you take a look at what you, the depravity to you know to which human beings can sink? Okay, mm -hmm. one can think of 65 million babies in America that have been killed be, uh, since Roe versus Wade was, was uh, became the law of the land. A billion babies worldwide in the same period of time. W what makes you think you're lovable? <laughs> what makes you think you're not deserving of hell? All right, when we allow these things to happen. I, I did have a follow-up question about feeding the poor. Mm -hmm. And this is where, yes, yes, I those those old, okay, G Bible literally, except when Jesus said, okay, if you did not do it for the least of mine, you did not do it for me. And if mm -hmm. you did it for the least of mine, you did do it for me. Now, it always amazed me with our brothers and sisters, okay? You want to take you want to take this creation, you want to take that literally. Okay, that's fine if you want, okay? Absolutely. But the express word, Jesus Christ, he said, you didn't give me water, you didn't give me food, you didn't come back, you didn't visit prison, you didn't do all these things. Take that, well, that's just a works-based religion. No, it's not. It's the words of Jesus Christ. <laughs> you Listen, dude, you want to live with me, but you, you, you refuse to do all these things. Talk about the misinterpretation, Michael. Yes, I believe it's a misinterpretation of mm -hmm. Scripture. And mm -hmm. sometimes it leads to people, and I'm sorry, it does. If I think in my mind, well, I'm not going to take Jesus literally when he said that, well, then, then maybe I won't feed the poor if I'm not taking him literally. Maybe I won't visit the imprisoned. Maybe I won't. Oh, I think it's a really it's bad. A, it's a door. Or what else? It it's a door that you open up when you take a line where Christ is literally saying, "Do this, or you will suffer damnation." And we go, "Oh, that's you, we can interpret that a little differently." Well, why can't we do it with anything else he said? Suddenly, the Eucharist. We can debate that. Baptism. Uh, any of the teachings that are as old as the church. We can help if the one thing Jesus said will suffer. If we can interpret that, just get rid of it. We can do any, and that I think opens a dangerous, and that's especially where you get American heresies like the prosperity gospel. Oh yeah, which uh, you know turns Christ's teachings on 
and suddenly to hoard wealth and to live extravagantly is a virtue. And we wonder, how did you get that from the gospel? Well, you throw out, you throw out. It was a while ago, I said on the show, when Joe and I first started, this is a long time ago. I, and, and in my journey, it was before I actually started practicing the faith again. But I actually heard it out of a, out of a man's mouth. I forgot who it was. He said, sure. the, the day after I accepted Jesus Christ as my personal Lord and Savior, <laughs> I had a Rolex on my $40 Corvette. And I am not joking. <laughs> so we really attack that possible. But I just wanted to throw it in. That is a lie. But in my experience, I heard somebody utter too oh, man. <laughs> oh so michael lynch is joining us at the front line with joe and joe um i joe did, where do you want to go joe Rasinella? i want to talk about mercy and justice we're talking about the last mm-hmm. four th- uh four things and i, I want to give an example and also get both your ideas on the example i give um i've read this i forget who wrote it but they said mercy yields more fruit than justice like when because again mercy is undeserved and i think of the movie with gregory peck the scarlet and the black i know joe pasillo has seen that and like Mm -hmm. you know here's this guy who you know gregory peck he's trying to save all these people and then you got this german dude who's basically like the governor of rome and he's trying to kill everybody that gregory peck loves and at the end but he loves his family and at the end of the movie he asks Gregory Peck, the priest, he says, couldn't you save my family? I know I'm going to jail. And he says, you want me to help you? And he does. And yes. he smuggles his family. Undeserved. He did not deserve it, but he does it. So the man goes to jail. And at the end of the movie in the credits, because it's based on a true story, the priest visits him in jail every month and he converts and i believe it was that merciful act that act of love undeserved that changed him and this is with this is the power of mercy and the gospel that had to hurt gregory peck he hated him Mm -hmm. but he showed him mercy we can do that you know, and talk both of you comment on it because that's really hard. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, incredible. you know, and, and that's really like, but that's the gospel. It absolutely is. And it's something the early Christians, when you read about them being led to martyrdom, like Polycarp immediately when he came was being arrested by Roman officials, he invited them in and to have make dinner for them so that they could rest for a minute before they would take him to be executed for his faith. Uh, Ignatius tells people eh, tells people that they should be willing to treat even their enemies as if they were the guests of the King of Kings, and. That's like you said, it's hard. We talk about real love hurting. That's where it really meets, whether it's in the Scarlet and the Black, based off a real story of a Monsignor helping a Nazi save his family. Not deserve if there's anyone less deserving than a fascist in a uniform of mercy, but even then God calls us to give it to them. And that is because I think 
it's the hardest thing to do, but it's also the times that we are the most Christ-like when we can do that. Joe, I want you to comment, but I think that's how you break through the walls of people. You see, because people, like all of us, you know, we're fairly mm-hmm. well-read, Michael, probably much more than us. I mean, you have a great background. Um, and, you know, you throw truths at people, but it bounces off of them. You need the the wrecking ball to go through the the wall. And that's like one of those things, like that's a wrecking ball to somebody like, like where you're just like, you're just like, Oh my God, I I don't even know how to respond to to, to the the goodness that you just showed me. I don't deserve it. What are your thoughts on that Joe? Cause I think to be honest with you, that costs, that costs so much. But- I would go back. I would just go back to the same thing as far as what we were talking about earlier uh, uh, when we mentioned mercy earlier is um, I've heard said, uh, I think it was Sam Harris, the philosopher, uh, or at least he calls himself a philosopher or the atheist, famous atheist. And he says, like, I don't believe in a religion. I can't believe in a religion that would along those lines. If I'm paraphrasing um, before I'm getting it wrong, but that was, just, and I would say your arrogance like, because well, what kind of a religion wouldn't a real religion mm-hmm. a real religion of mercy what you're doing is you're limiting God there was, and, 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 and also I would say well what makes you so deserving of mercy but <laughs> why because a guy that goes out and cheats on his wife is any less deserving of hell both, of, both the Nazi and the adulterer have broken God's law okay have done something gravely evil Okay, so so this idea that oh, oh if if it is true, then it's only reserved for certain people. But I get to say that the Nazi goes and murder has to be abundant, uh, and and I don't believe in, and I do believe in it. I believe Christ could forgive. I a great story I heard. You know, when people don't want you to know certain things, you know that Dutch Schultz, the gangster, converted on his deathbed. That most people that. Do, did not realize. He called for an old Irish priest. He was always fascinated by the Catholic faith, by the Catholic Church. On his deathbed, after he got <coughs> shot at Palace Steakhouse in Newark, New Jersey, okay, uh, he was on his deathbed. He called for a Catholic priest. He gave a confession, and he was baptized, okay? The, the way it got spread in, in the popular culture was he was mumbling before he died. No, he what? No, he didn't. He was praying before he died. The church teaches that that man is saved. Okay, because he asked for he asked mercy. People find that hard to believe. And my only comment: Listen, if you deny Jesus, tells us flat out, you deny mercy to others, that's a problem for you. That's a real problem. Let's take it through another angle. I mean, uh, Christ says it in Scripture, too. The gate leading to eternal life is narrow, and few souls find it. I mean, this is also, while we talk about mercy, and that's a very correct approach, that's true, too. Um, I mean, let's be honest. To follow Christ is picking up a cross. It's 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 living a countercultural lifestyle. I think that's another misconception of America, especially Christianity in America. They have this idea of the good guy goes to heaven, irregardless of how he lives. Um, but that road is a narrow road. I mean, we we all know that just based upon living your life, trying to live a, a Christian life. I mean, you're definitely 
the an oddity. I mean, yes. in you know what I'm saying? Let's be honest. I mean, like if and if you don't feel that, I, I would question you're doing it right because it, 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 that's just the truth. Talk about that because we have to fully embrace that path. And if not, I'll be honest with you, we're not going in the right direction. Amen to that. You reminded me again of Teresa Avila, who I always seem to return to for these conversations, but she has a great dialogue with God where she asks why she is feeling so much persecution and so much torment, to which God responds, this is what all my friends have to endure if they want to remain friends with me. And Teresa, in her wonderful sense of humor, says, this is probably why you have so few friends. And it's exactly it. It's hard. The Christian life is hard. It is not, it is full of mercy. God's mercy can be extended to anyone at any time. But the call to be like Christ is going to take a lot of work. And many of us will probably not even learn in our whole lifetime, despite our efforts. And that's where we have to then fall back on his mercy. But that is the truth we have to return to again and again, that this is a hard life to live if you want to take on Christ's cross and journey with him. It's going to demand that you give love until it hurts, that you give grace to people and at least a small measure to the grace that was given to you when you became one with God. And that also means that sometimes people won't receive you well they won't receive the truths you're trying to tell them the love you're trying to show them uh christ even warns his disciples of course in the parable of the seeds some seeds will land in fertile ground some are going to land on the rock god isn't the manager that wants to see your numbers he wants to see you working and making every day a step closer to being with him Thank you for that. Michael Litchens joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Dies Irae, The Sequence of the Mass for the Dead. It's a reprint from uh, Monsignor Nicholas Gear, published by Sophia Press. Um, and we encourage you to go out and buy it. Um, you know, it, it strikes me that you listening to you guys talk, the thought that came into my head was, and I mean this literally, thank God for confession. Thank God. Amen. Oh, man. Because, yeah. because what we're talking, some people might listen to us and say, well, all of that's just really impossible. Well, it's not that it's impossible. It might be a high standard. It's a high, mm -hmm. very high bar because many of us are not Teresa of Avila or Francis. <laughs> no. I'm not going to throw off my coat and go hug the lepers. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. Okay. <laughs> but thank God for confession for when I fall. And, 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 and I mean that sincerely. Um, there's, um, there's something I want you to educate our listeners to uh, Michael Lichens. Um, the difference between the particular judgment and the general judgment. I think that kind of gets a little bit confused. All yes. things will be revealed, I believe, <laughs> in the general judgment, but there's a particular judgment before then. I hope I didn't get that wrong, but I'm going to kick it over to you in the last few minutes that we have. Sure. So quickest way to explain this is the general judgment is the judgment that God will judge everything the whole earth the whole of creation will be judged by him and how it obeyed him but and that's dsra is singing about that that day of wrath when christ's seed is coming when the trumpets are blaring and the earth is erupting and god is coming as this great force to judge all the living the dead and all the sons of man <clears throat> but there's a particular judgment 
because God is a God of particulars. He created each and every one of us individually, unrepeatable. You know, this is the one Joe, the one Joe, the one Michael, unrepeatable for all of human existence. We're not going to be reincarnated or anything. And he will judge us at the end as well. And they will be judged based on what was given to us, what God had expected. A particular judgment is going to look strange to a few of us if uh, the prodigal son is a nice reminder that how some of us come home to God, some of us left aside, some of us are having come at the last minute running and crying and begging for forgiveness, even though we know we deserve none of it. We're just hoping to give And then, but God will embrace and welcome them as if they had never left and that will be another hard thing i think for us to consider if we wanted to consider the end times for all eternity here on earth yeah no thank thanks for the the distinction uh joe will probably have about two or three minutes left where do you want to head with michael lichens to bring it to an end well i guess like the bottom line is believing in god isn't just enough you know what we have to do and and i, I i'd like both your thoughts on this is we have to follow God. We have to strive to live virtuously. And how do we do that? Joe Pasillo said, you know, it's a high bar. It's an impossible bar unless you pray and practice a sacramental life. God gives you grace. You see, people again, and, and I'll, you know, just end it with this. And then I want to hear what you both have to say. I mean, people could say, how could you live a chase life? How could you do this? How could you do that? With God, all things are possible. Grace Michael, is real. My quick Yeah, but God, all things are possible. And that is one of the greatest realizations as a sinner who has had to make use of confession very, very frequently. I can even take Michael here, this cranky American and who curses at people on the road, who seems very cynical. He can even love you because all things are possible with him. And though it's going to be hard, it's going to require work, we can rise and become more like Christ each and every day. And I think we can leave the world a way better place than we found it if we can follow his teachings. That's a great place to end. And Michael Liches, tell, tell our audience more about yourself, where they can find you, and buy the book, Dies Irae. Yeah, if you want to follow me, I... <laughs> Don't really do social media anymore, but you can find my writings at Catholic Exchange. I'm also available on a lot of shows. We try to advertise those on our social media through Facebook and Twitter. And you can buy this book at sophieinstitute.com. That's right. And support our publishers, all you Catholics you. out there. Thank you, Michael Litches, for joining us at the front line with Joe and Joe. And thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. As always, we ask, download the app. I don't care if you're in Zimbabwe. You can hear the Veritas Catholic Radio Network if you download the app and share it with your friends. And finally, if you'd like, please follow Joe and I at the Frontline TV or the Frontline with Joe and Joe on YouTube. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.